help, my child doesn't like reading. Is this okay? And can my child still do life? These are questions we hear from parents and honestly questions that I've thought about as a stepmom and mama as well. Our guest today is going to unpack this question. What do we do if our child doesn't like to read uh, in such a way that's going to give you some real peace of mind? She's going to reframe how we think about what reading is and isn't, uh, explain why kids might feel that way, and most importantly, tell us what we can do about it. I'm so excited for you all to meet our guest, Mary Phillips, on today's episode of To The Core. Hello and welcome to The Core. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Allen, the owner-operator of The Community Classroom, a tutoring and academic coaching center in Florence, Massachusetts that serves students in Western Massachusetts and nationwide. I'm also the 2010 Florida Teacher of the Year, an education nerd, the stepmom to four teens and mama of one toddler, a runner, a lover of dad jokes, and an educator for almost 20 years. In this podcast, we will answer parent questions about education and learning. Welcome to the core. All right, hello and welcome to the core. I am super pumped about today's guest. When I was a newbie baby starting teacher, uh, she was one of my first instructors with my district. She was one of my writing instructors. Uh, Today, we're gonna tackle this question we get from parents, help? My child doesn't like to read. And with us, um, our guest expert, Mary Phillips. Uh, Mary Phillips is an educator of over 20 years. She is a reading specialist. Uh, she, I am lucky enough to have her work with us on our team at the Community Classroom. She does magical, amazing things for kids with literacy, reading and writing, and math. Uh, so Mary, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Megan. It's so exciting to be here with you today. Yes, so happy to have you. All right, Mary. So this is like a big, hairy, complex question. Question is, what do I do if my child doesn't like to read? So I can relate to this as a parent and as an educator. Um, But first question, like, is this okay? Like, can my child still do life if they don't like to read? That is such a great question. It makes me laugh because um, full disclosure, yes, I am a literacy specialist. Yes, I'm a mom. I have a 12-year-old beautiful daughter. And guess what? She did not love to read. <laughs> so everyone's so good to hear. <laughs> I know everyone would always ask, like, wait, that does not kill you. I mean, a little bit. But here's the deal. Um, I always say this, and I'm sure you've heard. um, It comes back to they don't love to read maybe yet, right? There is something they love to read. um, But it's changing the context of what we consider reading, right? If we think it's just picking a book up that, um, and then sitting down and reading for hours and hours, okay, a kid might not like to do that. But there's magazines, there's um, graphic novels, there's so many different types of genres out there now that um, I think once you brought in that perspective, you were like, oh, no, wait, my kid does read and they do enjoy it. It just might not be the kind of reading that you think um, or you might expect to be um, required or even like school readings, right? Um, It's just a lot comes back to just opening that perspective. 
I love that lens, Mary. Uh, and I'm thinking too, like, how are we defining what is and what isn't reading? And I'm thinking about one of my friends um, who doesn't, I've, I've never seen a book in his hand or anything, but this guy can listen to books on Audible, like nobody's business. And so he kind of thinks that he's not a reader, but if he's listening to like three, four books a week on Audible, I would define that as a reader. That is most definitely a solid reader. Um, And that's true. Our world is changing, right? So what we consider, even that, I mean, honestly, there's people out there that closed captions on their TV. Hey, that is reading. My daughter, perfect example. Um, She loves Pinterest, right? Um, People are like, that's not reading. What do you mean? That is so much reading, right? There's so much context on there. There's so much knowledge out there. Um, So again, just being, um, thinking of it from a different perspective will kind of reassure you that there is something out there that your kid does like to read. So wait a second, Mary, I could hear my teens, my stepkids already saying TikTok is reading. What do you think about TikTok? I mean, listen, if it gets kids to learn things and excited about learning and it feels their uh, curiosity, um, that's the whole goal of reading, right? To comprehend and get to know the world around you. I am all for it. (laughs) All right, parents and caregivers, you've heard it here. Our guest expert says... TikTok is reading. (laughs) Um, It's not just something our kids tell us because they want to stay on their phones. Uh, All right, Mary. So kind of like unpacking the issue at hand, why might kids feel this way or say that they don't like reading? Well, a lot of it comes to self-reflection, right? Maybe a bad experience that they had in school or maybe insecurities um, or maybe how they have been explained that reading um, is or how they have been, how reading has been defined to them, right? If they have been told that reading is you're reading for a specific skill and you have to prove this skill, um, then yeah, maybe reading isn't super encouraging. But what if you're like, I don't know, lost in a pandemic and you don't get to go and explore the world around you. And you're like, man, but there's these books that you can read and you can escape. um, And let's find out what you're really into. Um, Then, yeah, I think that that changes a reader. I think, again, it's how we portray this whole idea of what a reader is and isn't or what a reader should do and not do. Um, Because I always go back to parents and teachers and I always say like, when kids come into your classroom in kindergarten, you know what I love? They all think they're the best readers and it's so adorable. They're reading pictures and they're like, and telling stories. And you're like, that's where the magic is at, right? So how did we lose that? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, that we shouldn't or don't need to talk about. But the idea is that once a reader, always a reader, let's find that spark, that love, that that genuine curiosity, and let's fuel that to get our students excited about the type of reader that they can become. Uh, I'm writing down notes as fast as I can, because those were some beautiful knowledge bombs that you just dropped on us. Um, I can one, see this idea of a dinner conversation around the question, what is a reader? Like, what a great topic to open up with your kids. After you get through the eye rolls, they're going to have some great conversation with you. And then two, like, what can we do to help kids find that spark? I know one thing I think a lot about, um, as a teacher, when I reflect on what I might've done differently, I taught fourth grade and I don't know if when I first started teaching, I thought that much about choice 
in reading. And that was a big turning point for me. Once I embraced this idea of choice, it really kind of unlocked this door in my classroom where now kids were reading more and liking reading more. Can you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on choice and what that has to do with this question of, I don't like to read? Of course, beyond the fact that it's research supported um, and that it's super important and that is what gets um, kids excited about reading. Um, it also goes hand in hand with another research supported um, characteristic or trait of readers, which is, um, you know, identifying with the characters, right? Representation. Representation is so important. I will never forget when my daughter was little and she would hear about the princesses. I will never forget when she saw Snow White, she was like, mom, she looks just like me. She has black hair. And I had never thought about that. Um, But to see how she went from "Eh, princesses to, oh my gosh, there's a princess that looks like me. Um, The same is true in characters and stories, right? Who and what are we um, showing or um, sharing with our students, right? And our kids at home. Um, As an adult, actually, Megan um, asked me to do this one um, thing. And she sent me the day, um, the day you begin, I think is the book. Um, And I was like, oh, I'd seen it. it looks super interesting. I got to page, I don't know, three or four, and it talked about a character from Venezuela. And that's where I was born. And I'm like, I'm an adult. And I literally was running around the house going, Megan sent me a book, a children's book about a little kid who moved from Venezuela. So imagine the um, power on a child to look into a book and to see themselves um, or see or hear of their culture, where they came from, their um, community, um, and then add choice on that and let them have the choice to pick that book up over and over again. Um, That's just a whole new world, right? And that's something like you said, full disclosure as an educator, I didn't capitalize that as much as I could have um, had I known what I know now. Um, But even as a parent, um, my daughter started not with the typical books. She was only into Batman. (laughs) And I was like, my kid is going to learn reading Batman. What in the world have I done wrong? Right. Um, But she loved it. And she knew the Batman series from home, from watching it on TV. And that's what she chose. But for so long, I tried to give her these other books that I thought were super great that I had grown up with or was using in my classroom. And she was just not into it. But we went to Barnes and Nobles and I let her look around and just choose like, hey, do you see something you love? And when she grabbed that Batman uh, series, I was like, okay, well, here we go. But guess what? She learned how to read and she loved um, those books um, for a long time. That's such an interesting point and what a great story to illustrate it. Um, following our kids' leads in what they're choosing and what they're interested in versus what we hope or want them to be interested in. Um, my two-year-old Cora, who has the privilege of working um, and taking Spanish with Mary, um, loves Ms. Mary, but Cora's favorite books are about big rig trucks and construction trucks. Like I would have never picked that out because they're not things that interest me, but she can tell you exactly what's an excavator, what's a front loader. And it's just because of the books that she loves. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's a matter as a parent of stepping out of the way 
and listening and following our kids' lead, and that can help them kind of reconnect or connect with books. Um, so, Mary, this idea of what we can do as parents. You've talked about, uh, we've talked a little bit about choice and making sure our kids have choice. We've talked a little bit about connecting to books and representation, having books and characters that our kids can identify with and see themselves in. Um, so let's say that someone that you're talking to has a 15-year-old stepson. And let's say that mom that you're talking to, stepmom that you're talking to is really trying to find a way to get their stepson to reconnect with books because he really hasn't read much, much since they read together when he was 10 and it was still cool. Um, and let's say that mom, stepmom has tried taking her stepson to a bookstore and pick out books and um, finding himself connecting with characters and those things still haven't worked. He's still saying that he doesn't like reading. For this hypothetical stepmom, what advice might you give? What else can I do? I mean, this stepmom, what else could this stepmom do? Oh my gosh, I love you. Um, and <laughs> P.S., you are not, or this uh, person is not the only parent, right, that has that question. And it happens even with young kids too, right? It's not just, oh, it's not cool enough, or, I, you know, I'm I've outgrown reading with my mom. It's even the youngest kids. Um, and I think the advice is, Okay, think about what it is that you want out of readers, right? You want them to um, experience the world and to become lifelong learners and um, to have a desire to, you know, to continue learning, right? And then think about the things that they're passionate about. What do they talk about a lot? What are they into? What do you notice? It's kind of like stepping back and just observing. Um, just observe what, what like Cora, you know, what does she like to talk about? What do they know a lot about? What TV shows do they watch? Um, things, what music do they listen to? YouTube, what YouTubers do they watch? <laughs> listen, you know what? There are lots of texts out there about YouTubers. Um, and try that, you know, just try to take you out of the equation, which is super hard, right? As a mom, I wanted to force my kid to love reading as much as I did. <laughs> I was determined. I'm like, how can you be a reading specialist and your kid tell you like they legit hate reading? That's cool. Um, <laughs> But now it's like, okay, if I know that she loves Chicago PD, huh, I might, you know, see or recommend some books on something that may follow that storyline. If I know she loves Taylor Swift, maybe a few years ago, um, I might pick up a biography of Taylor Swift, you know, um, Hamilton came out and I'm like, Ooh, you like the musical Hamilton. Um, and one of her friends gave her the Hamilton, um, manuscript, and amazingly, she was reading. I'm like, wait, my kid is reading. Um, so awesome. just watch, observe, listen. And if nothing else, step back. Do they have to read every day to be a reader? No, um, but you can still build those curiosities through conversations. I tell that to a lot of parents who ask, even for the younger kids, right? What can I do to get my kid ready for school? Because they're gonna have to read. They're gonna have to do these tests. And a lot of that is what, we oftentimes take for granted, and it's those conversations. Talk to your kids. Use the vocabulary that you would normally use. Um, be transparent with them and play games. Lots of reading in games. Like, we love family games, right? And everyone's like, oh, my gosh, your kid must be such a great reader because, or because, you know, her vocabulary. And it's like, so how do you look that person in the eye and say, 
we don't read together very often because she doesn't like to. But you know what we do? Games. We play a lot of games, right? I love that. I love the honesty. And thank you for relieving some of my mom and stepmom guilt. I mean, this hypothetical person's guilt. Um, Mary, top five games for building communication skills. What are your go-tos? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. Well, some of our favorites are categories. Love it. Love categories. Um, we loved life because we actually get to talk about real life scenarios um, and do a lot of acting in that one. Um, let's see. And my daughter would probably disagree with these top five. So I'm going to throw that out there. Um Mathematically, love Farkle. We would always have lots of communications around that. Um, four, I would say Monopoly. Lots of negotiation, lots of reasoning, lots of going back. And then Clue. We love the game Clue. I love that you mentioned um, kind of games from our childhood, <laughs> like those games still are great and useful and amazing family tools to have um, just a few decades after we had them, right? <laughs> I'm not going to lie though, throw in some like Xbox and Wii and we have some really vivid conversations around that too. We might, <laughs> we may or may not have family um, uh, competitions. Uh, so there's that. And you know what else has become a favorite during the pandemic? puzzling. We have been working on puzzles. It's amazing what your teenager or soon-to-be teenager will disclose while you're sitting at the table with nothing but puzzle pieces in front of you. I love it. It takes the pressure off a conversation, right? Especially if you're sitting side by side versus across from each other, which can feel like there's a power dynamic. Um, great parenting tip, Mary. Um, if so, you know, I'm thinking about my fourth and fifth graders, and it does seem like there's something in that year where kids fall out of love with reading. Is there such thing as it just being a phase and it's going to be okay and they're going to get through it? Like, or is that something that as parents we should be concerned about? I really hesitate to ever say that there is going to be a huge concern about a kid not having a book in front of them at all times, right? Because you can't force someone to love something, but you can force them out of loving something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I may or may not be guilty of that. Um, I may or may not have caused my kid to take a break from reading because I pushed and pushed and pushed. And it was so important to me as an educator, but also as a mom. Um, um, and I think the biggest thing to remember as a parent is that just like anything, right? Like we can make suggestions, but you can't make a kid love something, um, but you can model for them your love for it. And that is contagious. Um, you can make recommendations and you can also back away and or recognize that life is changing. And there are things like TikTok, which, uh, you know, I know I went on record saying that was reading, um, but you know, um, <laughs> there are things like YouTube videos and, um, you know, virtual pictures, like even getting um, parents and teachers to understand, like looking at art is reading. There is so much, like it does not have to have words to be a text. Text is beyond 
what we normally see as a text. And I think if you keep that in context as a parent, you're like, man, I am a rock star mom because they might not be sitting down reading, you know, I don't know, uh, wonder or a book that's like super thick, but they are reading art. They are reading music. If your kid plays an instrument, if, um, you know, they're reading, um, TV, movies, uh, there's just so many opportunities out there. And I think we beat ourselves up as parents. Um, but I think if you take a step back and you realize, I, I, I do think um, even with adults, we've done this exercise. We'll say, okay, what was the last five things that you've read? Actually, let's do it, Megan. What were the wow. last three things that you have read? Three things today. What have you read? Email, text message, Uh Notes to prep for the interview. Exactly. Right. So how many of those were books? Yes. So, and are you a reader? I try. You're such a reader. So again, our, the world is changing. Kids are reading. Um, and they are, um, they enjoy it. It's just changing our perspective of what we think they should be reading and um, what we define as reading. So I really loved what you said earlier about just having a conversation with your kid and actually modeling for them or do that, like have them say, you know, somebody asked me today, what were the three things that I've read? And I think they would be like surprised to hear you because I've asked that to how many educators, I can't even tell you, but a lot. And you know what those often do? They'll say nothing. And I'm like, you haven't read anything? Well, no, I haven't read any books lately. And I'm like, that wasn't the question. The question was, what did you read today? Um, And you see that look kind of like what you gave of like, oh, wait, I have read. (laughs) All right. So we all have homework. And that is tonight or tomorrow, whenever we see our kids Uh, to have a conversation with them. They can ask us that question. We can ask them. Maybe that would be like a fun kind of nightly check-in too. I love that idea. Um, Mary, you have changed so much about uh, how I was thinking about this parent question, how I was framing this parent question and relieved all this guilt around this question. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Any final words of wisdom for parents and caregivers? Um, Always just remember that you are doing a much better job than you think you are. Um, I talk to tons of children on a daily basis and you are their superheroes, right? So whether they're reading a book or not, whether they're talking to you in the moment or not, just know like you just listening to this shows us that you care about your parent or about your kids and they know that. So if you love and care about them, you're a great parent. Um, and we're just so thankful to have this time. And Megan, I mean, I can't, there is no words to express uh, just what kind of person you are as an educator and as a parent. So if I could make you feel better, um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like that should give me an award of some sort because I feel like you are like the ultimate superhero. So thank you for um, inviting me to such an important conversation. 
Oh, we just really appreciate the time with you, Mary. Um, and thank you to our audience. We'll make sure to put additional links and resources in the show notes. And if you have a, a question for an expert educator, we have the link in the show notes as well for you to submit your question. Thank you so much for being here, Mary. And thank you to our listeners. We'll uh, reach back out to you next Tuesday with the next episode of To The Core. Thank you. Thank you.